Welcome to Sega Saturn Shiro, the only podcast that's 100% cotton. This time we decided to change the format up a little bit. We asked you guys what you want to see on the podcast and what you want us to talk about. And you guys decided that you'd like us to talk about Cotton 2. But on top of that, while Cotton Boomerang is such a similar game, you're going to get a two-for-one from us, and we're going to cover both Cotton 2 and Cotton Boomerang. My first exposure to Cotton 2 was actually in the pages of the British Sega Saturn magazine. So towards the end of the magazine's run, they started covering import games because domestic releases were sort of drying up. They covered Cotton 2, and I'm not usually a shoot 'em up guy at all. It's not a genre that I enjoy overly much, but the screenshots on the pages there on the magazine, they looked super cool. Like it was, you know, hand-drawn, very colorful, and so I thought, you know, this might be fun. So I imported the game. Uh, it was very cheap at the time because this was in the super early 2000s and I've been playing it ever since and I actually really enjoy it. It's it's a lot of fun for me. So that's sort of how I got, you know, involved with the Cotton series. And then a little bit more recently, I started playing Cotton Boomerang and a uh, very fun game, very different game. But uh, Cotton 2 is definitely my uh, bread and butter. side scrolling uh, shoot 'em up so you control either cotton or you can also control Apley, which is uh, the other little witch from the storyline and uh, it's a one or two player game and it's auto scrolling so you know the screen sort of moves and you're sort of going through it i really enjoy it it's a whole lot of fun it's a surprising amount of depth to the game um, there's a lot of you know chains and combos that uh, you can do to rack up some pretty high scores and from that perspective it's actually it really reminds me of Nights into Dreams and so uh, maybe that's why I ended up uh, loving it as much as I did even though I'm not much of a shoot 'em up guy. For those of you that don't know Peter actually got a 1cc on it crazy enough. Yeah, and you know, it's initially it's it's a tough game. I mean, there's sections where it's definitely it reminds you of a bullet hell type shooter. Um, other sections where it's not the case. But once you really get the hang of all those chains and combos, it just it makes it a whole lot easier. And it becomes more of a more of an experience of how to manage everything that's going on on the screen. And so, yeah, I mean, yes, I ended up doing it on uh, on one credit, and it wasn't easy, but it's totally doable. It's not, you know, in a game that you're going to have to dedicate you know, your entire life to do. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun and it is doable once you really kind of get to know the mechanics of the game. I was going to ask, is it your cup of tea? <laughs> um, no, you know, I, I don't really have any kind of history with Cotton other than it was one of those games that I'd be burning to a CDR <laughs> in like the early 2000s, you know, going through the old ISO zone sites, <laughs> discovering all these great Saturn imports, you know, and I was like, oh, here's a game that's only like 300 megabytes or something like that. I'll try to download that, you know. And uh, what blew me away is that it there's so much game there for being such a small game, you know. It's a beautiful game. It's easy to get into and play from what I've read and then from what I've heard just talking to you guys is just infinitely several layers of depth to it that you can really get into it. So you can kind of get in and sink your teeth in and become engaged, really mastering it and, and coming to grips with all the different techniques can take a while, which I haven't gotten that deep with the game, but you know, I appreciate it on an aesthetic level for sure and just the music and everything. I was going to say I'd played the Super Nintendo one before that. 
the cotton games weren't even on my radar back when I was originally a Saturn fan in the 90s. And then I guess I would say kind of uh, when I got back into Saturn in in the early to mid 2000s, I started burning games. I started like many others, uh, you know, started getting into the imports and just learning like how many great games there were for the Saturn that never came over to the States. And so one of the first things that I noticed, you know, was this game Cotton, um, which was a really tiny game to, to download, I admit. And, uh, you know, I, so I downloaded it, burned it to a disc, and I was immediately blown away just by how gorgeous the game looked. I loved the, the hand-drawn artwork and just the overall aesthetic and the music. The fact that you've got this cute little witch flying a broomstick, kind of Kiki's Delivery Service-esque. So I think just audio-visually, I was blown away by this game. I never really came to grips with the scoring system. I would say that I always kind of played it kind of in a passing manner, you know, just kind of enjoying it for the audiovisual part of it. So definitely what I'm coming to find out, I read Peter's excellent article on the Shiro blog uh, last year, and I really came to find that you can really go deep with this game if if you really uh, sit down and spend the time. And I never have, but um, I did play the SNES versions and Panorama Cotton on the Sega Genesis kind of interim, you know, and those were fun games too. So I, I really do enjoy the Cotton series as a whole. I just haven't really gotten into it as deep as, as Peter has. But I think you can appreciate this game from a lot of different angles, you know? Like, I think you can definitely appreciate it in a casual setting, and then you can also appreciate it on a deeper level if you really spend the time. Yeah, and that's really what I like about it, too, is that it's just so accessible in a way. Like, it's it's one of those things where it's easy to, easy to understand, difficult to master, if you mm-hmm. guys know what I'm saying with that. Absolutely. Same as Knights, right? I mean, lo- lots of people enjoy Knights, and they never really come to grips with the scoring system, but they still like it just because... It's dripping with aesthetic, you know? Oh, for sure. And then once uh, you do sort of cross that bridge uh, and really understand the scoring system, it's just like with Knights. It just, it almost like becomes a whole uh, different experience. I've gotten into shoot 'em ups about 10 years ago. I didn't really care for them much before then. And about 10 years ago, I really found a love for them. And so I've been experiencing all these little different shoot-em-ups, be it on whatever system, and especially the Saturn, because there's such good games on the Saturn for that. And um, as far as, like, uh, Cotton goes, my experience started with Cotton, with actually Cotton Boomerang, because um, I have one of those uh, Sega STV units, and I picked up a multi-cart that has Radiant Silver Gun, Terra Diver, Guardian Force, and Cotton Boomerang. So... I started playing Cotton Boomerang, and then after that, I ended up uh, playing Cotton 2 as the request from the um, the audience and the, the people that requested it for us. And so I was like, okay, so I'm really interested to see what the difference is between Cotton 2 and Cotton Boomerang, and so I fire this bad boy up, and it's like, oh, this looks exactly like it. And as I'm playing, I'm like, whoa, wait, whoa, there's some serious differences here. It was a lot of fun. It's um, it's a shoot 'em up that has so much skill involved and it's it's like mixing basically kind of like a special move say like a fighter into a shoot 'em up which is just unheard of it makes the game so much more fun uh, because you can play it as just your standard shoot 'em up or you can really get in depth and play it as kind of a strategy shoot 'em up to see how many points you can rack up which makes the replayability on this thing fantastic 
So that's something I really enjoyed about the game as well, with those sort of mechanics. The Of course, the quarter circle moves and sort of that in-depth mechanics, like the grabbing and the freezing of the enemies, and just sort of throwing people around, and just the different strategies you can use to versatilely use your weapons, similar to how it's done in like a Radiant Silver Gun, except on a, I guess, a more straightforward approach. Oh yeah, absolutely, because... It just creates so much diversity within the game itself, and not to mention it just looks gorgeous. Years ago, I was at a convention called ZapCon in Phoenix, Arizona, and they actually had a STV arcade machine modified with all the cotton banners and everything, and they were playing uh, Cotton Boomerang, so that was my first experience, and I, I didn't know what it was at the time. It was like these witches on brooms and stuff this flying hat, and I was like, whoa, what is this game? It's so cool. And as I kept playing, it was really fun. I, I was bad at it, but it was really enjoyable, and the convention ended, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I would have loved to play that, like, at home or something. Then I learned about, you know, Cotton 2 on the Saturn, Cotton Boomerang alongside of that, and I thought at first I played Cotton 2, but in reality, it was really Cotton Boomerang, and I sort of got more into the series and saw that it was on several different platforms in Japan. I mean, the first one is on both the uh, TurboGrafx-16 CD or the PC Engine CD and the Sharp X68000 machine. It also was on the PS1 on top of that. Of course, the US got none of those versions, mostly because, you know, one of the systems was dead, the other one was never released in America, and Japan only, of course, for PS1 because they all want polygons in America, right? Yeah, so I didn't get to play those at all, but, you know, of course, Cotton 2 came on the Saturn, I don't think we ever got any cotton releases in the in the Western to begin with. But yes, when I started playing more cotton games doing research, I got cotton too. I found the, you know, 100% cotton on the Super Nintendo, which is a lot of fun as well. Actually, shout out to Johnny Mono. He made me a, a, a repro of the Panorama cotton for the Genesis. So that was really cool, and that was sort of my first forte into it. And, you know, I've just been playing from there. Yeah, so I, I kind of tiptoed around Cotton for a long time. I've been playing shmups for uh, probably more than a decade. Started with Darius a while back and then just kind of spiraled out from there. You know, I'd known about Cotton. I'd probably seen it on Racket Boy for the first time. I, I think that's the first website where I saw it, and it looked cool. I played Shikigami no Shiro 2 exclusively as the character with who is the witch on the broom eventually beat it kept thinking over the years oh i gotta try out cotton i gotta get around to cotton i just never did so thank you listeners for voting for it otherwise i probably would have never played the damn thing it's a ton of fun i i i really dig it um i went into it blind i didn't look up anything about like what the controls were or how to play it and so when i started i just you know saw oh okay so you have a shot button and you have a screen bomb button and you get power-ups kind of like Parodius or Twinbee where you shoot the the little jewels that come down and then that changes whatever power-up you get from it. And then eventually I discovered, oh, there's a grab button. And I'm like, okay, cool, that means I can grab, like, the jewels. And then I'm like, wait, I can grab bad guys. And I can grab, like, certain types of enemy fire or, like, entire body parts of giant bad guys. And, like, okay, this is kind of crazy. You can't grab everything, but most things I found you could you were grabbable. Like, there were some enemies that I had a hard time with, like the ones that were, like the little turrets in the ground, those little plant turrets. I, I, oh, yeah. I always hated those, and then I'm like, oh wait, I can just, I can just grab it and throw it, and then it's gone. Like, oh, that's great. 
<laughs> so I, I hate tea time. I'm bad at tea time. I, I, for some reason, I, I can't get them. The trick with tea time is to not only try to run into them, but also shoot them as well. Because even though you don't collect them, you still get a 500 points for shooting them. Really? I didn't know that. Okay. I was yeah. trying that. And a lot of my shots would go like right, would seem to like go right through them, like there was no collision. I saw, I saw you do it. Okay, it could be my timing, but I saw some one of you guys do it, and I was like, okay, I never knew you could just shoot them. So I tried that on my stream, and um, I was having trouble with that. At least it didn't seem like they were, it was registering all the time. I think that was when I was streaming it, and Pat was watching me. He's like, shoot That's them, right. Ben, shoot them. That's right, Ben, you were doing it, yeah. <laughs> So shoot him, Ben. Shoot him. Do better. it. Shoot it. Do it. <laughs> just do it. Shoot the T. Uh, it's really fun game. I, I I love how just th- there's always something new to discover about it, and mm-hmm. I feel like I haven't like discovered everything about it. I've beaten it. And, you know, I beat it in the amount of credits you're given, which is like nine. So that's really not impressive at all. But I'm learning how to do the chain combos and stuff like that, and I still feel like there are more that I can learn. It it, it goes deep if you want it. So, mm-hmm. Really, really good game design. Yeah. But before moving forward, I kind of want to make a proposal to our audience and everybody. I think there's time for a new genre. We have several genres inside of games, but I think we need to go a little bit deeper and make a new genre inside of the shoot-em-up genre. And that genre is, of course, what I'm going to dub the Kiki genre. Now, you (laughs) might be asking, what is the Kiki genre? Well, those are basically any shoot-em-ups with a girl or someone on a broom shooting at enemies in a shoot-em-up style. So vertical or horizontal. And the games that I'm going to propose in this genre are as follows. Gunbird, <laughs> Gunbird 2, Magical Chase, Cotton, Cotton 1, Cotton 2, and Shikigami no Shiro. Pointing it out because it's kind of weird how many shoot 'em ups have these girls on brooms or the cute 'em ups And I think maybe one of the Parodiuses have somebody on a broom, right? I could be wrong, though. I think so, yeah. I think, yeah, I can't. So what are your guys' thoughts on this genre or the appearance of all these shoot-em-ups with uh, girls on brooms? I wouldn't doubt if the movie had something to do with the popularity of the idea, <laughs> you know? Because uh, it was a very popular movie in Japan, not to mention the later the United States. And I mean, uh, wouldn't think it would be a, too much of a coincidence that, you know... These game developers were like, oh, let's make a game out of that, or let's incorporate that idea into a game, you know? But even if they have nothing to do with each other, it does seem like you got a lot of, you know, game developers copying each other, at least. You know, like, oh, well, they put a witch on a broom in their shooter, so let's let's do the same. We'll call it a kiki yeah. up. Kiki a up. Kiki. I like that. Got <laughs> kiki up. But, you know, Cotton, the, the entire Cotton series, Pat, you mentioned that, you know, there was the SNES version and there was like a Turbo Graphics, a Sharp. Uh, but the Cotton series as a whole has a really close tie to Sega, right? Because like the first one came on System 16, right? And then like you had the, the STV, right? The Titan board. Yeah. And then, of the course, like the Naomi. For both Cotton and Cotton Boomerang, or Cotton 2 and Cotton Boomerang. So I know, like, it's made by Success, right? Which, Success, they've been in business for, like, 40 years now. And I know that the the Cotton series as a whole has always come out on Sega platforms, like, primarily, right? Like, they kind of are born on the in the arcades, you know? And they come over to the home consoles as ports. But, like, you had the, the Sega 16 version, and then you had the STV version, which came over in, in like, a perfect port because it's a... 
It was the Titan system, right? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's basically a Saturn in there. Does anybody know if if Cotton, let's see, Cotton Rainbow? Rainbow Cotton was a Dreamcast game. Yeah. yeah. Did that come out on the Naomi, like in the arcade? Or was it just a Dreamcast? I think that was just a home port, same vein as Panorama Cotton and 100% Cotton. I gotcha. But speaking of Panorama Cotton, there was something really cool about that. It really was one of the first weird special editions that I think they released. Because back in Japan, you can get it in a special edition with like little teacups, which are now going for thousands of dollars. It's very pricey, but it's actually really cool. That game is really rare. Panorama yeah, Cotton. on top of the rare game itself, because I think it's like maybe five to $800, and the teacups put it close to 1500 to two grand. Well, yeah, the Genesis didn't do very well in Japan, so they didn't make very many of that. Yeah, part of me, my friend actually got one a, a couple, like a year or two ago, and I really want to ask him if I can actually drink from it, but I'm petrified of breaking them. <laughs> like, right. Petrified. petrified. I'll just tell him it's tea time. <laughs> it's tea time. It. I just smack. I just, just I just yeet it on the floor. Shoot it. Just shoot it. Shoot it. Shoot it. I take it to a range and just shoot it with a gun. <laughs> shoot it. Shoot it. No. So they actually did that with the re-release of the Cotton Games. They're actually doing a a re-released remaster of it, where they're putting it on both the Sharp X sixty-eight thousand as a I guess a repackage of that. And I think some changes. And also making a new port on, I think, PS4 and a couple other consoles and PC. And they actually had a special edition with the teacups in it as well. Unfortunately, I think a lot of us missed... I missed the boat on it. Uh, I think you can still maybe order it on their shop, but it's I think it's the Beep Shop or something of that nature. So if you want to go look that up. I'll share out their page on Twitter and Facebook if you guys want to check it out. Uh, hopefully they'll still have some stuff in, but... I'm kind of waiting for a Western release for that, and hopefully we'll get some teacups through uh, Limited Run Games or whoever decides to put it out in the U.S. So I've been playing this game for you know quite a number of years, and I look, I'm not going to say I'm the master or that I know everything there is to know about Cotton, because I don't. But I do find that there's some pretty cool scoring mechanics that I've sort of figured out or become aware of. So first of all, uh, for those of you that own the game, if you check out the manual, obviously it's in Japanese, but it has diagrams for four different uh, ways of attacking. And if you translate that, then you've sort of got a tornado shot, a wide shot, and then sort of uh, an upper and a, and a lower shot. And so those are the four that are listed in the manual. But then there's some fine print just below that, and it says, we're only telling you about these four shots, but there's 10 other types of shots that are available in the game. And I just noticed that the other day. So I'm not actually sure what these 10 other methods of attack are. I'm going to have to sort of research that and check it out. But clearly, Cotton's got just a ton of different moves at her command. So... Two of my favorite that I use constantly are chains and combos. So essentially chaining uh, an enemy is if you, it's possible to capture an enemy in one of the elemental crystals that you're using. So it could be either uh, fire or ice, or you've got wind, which is the green one. And there's also light as well, which uh, you can get later on. As soon as you've got an enemy sort of encased in one of those, you can pick them up, you can grab them, and then you can toss them at oncoming waves of enemies and they will sort of chain together and so you're going to wipe out all of the enemies that are coming at you and then your chain is going to grow so if you've got 
an enemy that's sort of captured and then you know a wave of five enemies comes at you you throw that captured enemy and it'll wipe out the five that are coming and then you'll have a chain of five and so the idea is to not lose sight of that captured enemy that you threw it'll bounce around the screen for a little bit before eventually popping or vanishing but you can either shoot it to sort of keep it alive and bounce it up a little bit, or you can swoop in and grab it. And then if you grab it and then toss it at the next set of enemies, the next wave of enemies that's coming, then your chain will remain unbroken. And every increment of 10 that you get in the chain, you get a score uh, multiplier of 10,000. And that goes all the way up until you hit 100,000. And then every increment of 10 after that, you just get 100,000. Uh, and you get cute little messages on the screen each time you hit a chain of 10, uh, an increment of 10. And so it's it's a really uh, quick way of racking up some pretty amazingly massive score. And that's by grabbing, you know, that encased enemy that you've that you've uh, got at the beginning and just tossing them repeatedly at waves of uh, enemies so that it wipes up that wipes out um, oncoming enemies. The second thing that you could do is you can shoot uh, that encased enemy. And each time you shoot, it just sort of bounces up a little bit and the screen will kind of tell you one hit, two hits, three hits, and so on and so forth each time you shoot it. And interestingly, what happens is after the 10th shot, a small little um, heart icon is going to appear inside that enemy. And so the more times you shoot it, the uh, larger that icon is going to get. And so eventually when that enemy bubble sort of pops or bursts, you're going to be left with a heart icon. And if you collect it, then it's actually going to increase your life. So if you're running low on life, you can capture an enemy and then just sort of hit it with your shot repeatedly multiple times. And the more times you manage to shoot it, the higher that uh, power-up life icon inside is going to get. And the easiest way to do that is, of course, find some sort of a crevice or a wall that you can pin that enemy against and just repeatedly shoot over and over. So I've gotten it to the point where I've gotten over 100 shots in before taking it and then just bursting that, that bubble and then just getting a huge massive life boost. So, you know, that's one clever way to sort of get this game done in uh, using just one credit is if you're running low on life, you can actually rebuild some of your life by... Uh, sort of shooting uh, an encased enemy that way. Why this is sort of hard is, of course, the screen auto-scrolls, and so you're you're constantly moving forward, and then enemies are obviously constantly coming at you, so you not only have to avoid the enemies and their shots, but you also have to make sure that your encased little bubble doesn't end up touching any of the enemies because then your links end up just becoming a chain and you lose that little life icon so it's a real interesting balance that you have to strike between whether you want to go for these chains and just rack up huge points or whether you need to take a little bit of a break from that and see if you can get yourself uh, some life energy back so that sort of dual aspect and that sort of management aspect is really really appealing to me so those are just two techniques that i use consistently through the game and that sort of helps me get through just on one cc and with a with a really high score but like i said there's more depth to this game than just that based on what you know i was able to sort of read in that manual so it'd be interesting to see what else uh, is uh, sort of possible in the game but so far just it's a ton of depth just just those two techniques can really change the way that the game uh plays for you breathe gotcha. peter breathe yeah yeah dang. breathe <gasps> oh, no. you were on, on fire yeah Oh, yeah, but awesome. no, that's the the way I sort of played it. I I didn't really realize how in depth that is, Peter. That was insane. I basically played it. Okay, I can see the combos, the special moves, shooting stuff as fast as possible, not getting hit by things. And I guess I kind of played it as a typical shoot 'em up, while I kind of missed the point. In all honesty, and I kind of feel ignorant for doing so because I I don't think I'd played it right. See, I'm not really a shooter guy, and so I didn't really have any preconceptions going into it, and so. 
I just kind of did what I could see and figure out and I just kind of went with it. And so maybe that's why my experience has been so much different. See, I don't think it's a game that you play wrong. Like how you're mentioning that you may have played it wrong. This is a shooter or it can be a strategy shooter and you can play it so many different ways. And I think that's what's great about this game. It's a true testament to how well designed it is, how extremely well put together it is. Like a good shmup, everything's there for a reason. And it, part of the experience is learning why certain waves of enemies or why certain power-ups are where they are and why they work that the way they work. And with Cotton, you know, it has that aspect. But like you said, Ben, it can be played in different ways. And it's, it's definitely the level design and everything sort of caters around that, that versatility. Kind of why I found uh, Cotton Boomerang to be a little bit disappointing in comparison. As not only did it really have the lesser content to it, it really was only like an arcade game and it didn't have all this bonus stuff. It kind of was missing that, like, it wasn't, a, it was a different strategy, and it didn't really have that depth that I thought that the first one felt. And maybe you guys felt similar with that game? Absolutely for me, yes. It's, um, with me going from Boomerang to Cotton 2, I found that I liked Cotton 2 better because of the depth and the ability to be able to play it a little longer without feeling like that just, oh my god, that single hit death is just going to get me every time. Yeah, it kind of gave some more breathing room, and while you got a bonus three characters, I mean, that's basically just three hits, and you're right. done. Yeah. And I mean, there is strategy, because you can switch characters and use that bomb ability, and you also lose, you know, that, because the, the, the way that it changed where you have to keep mashing the button to do your attack versus holding the button down, because if you hold the button down this one, it does that main giant attack, and actually, I don't really think there was that crystal attack that changed the ability that the, the second one had, like the change the shot. It seemed just to be, oh, you just get levels up and you get different shots as you level up. Definitely is a different experience. The one-hit wonder uh, sort of aspect to it is definitely a little bit off-putting. But, you know, I mean, I've got to give it more time myself. There's got to be some sort of a twist or trick or whatever to it that that maybe I haven't experienced yet. But it's it like it looks the same as the the two games look so similar, and yet they play very very differently. So you know who knows there there might be more to it. But but much like you, Pat, I mean, all I was able to find so far um, was you can sometimes get these like shields that these one hit shields, and so you essentially become a two hit wonder. But still, I mean, for a fast paced game like that, I mean, two hits and you're done. That's you know that loses a bit of the appeal for me. Yeah, not to mention they sort of take out the story as well. I mean, it's mostly just like an arcade attack. Right. Not that you can really understand. I definitely get you can't understand it, for sure. Yeah. I, I guess it's just the... I mean, <laughs> actually, that's kind of funny but to think about. I got, about. What, it's you like, I'm I got compl- what you meant, though. Yeah, it's kind of funny now I'm thinking about it. It's like, it's like oh, there's no story, but it's like, I, I skip it anyways. Well, Peter included it on his article on the, on the Shiro uh, website... But then again, like for what story it is, you know, it's hardly a story. <laughs> What's great yeah. is it's 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 such a complex game, and yet the plot is they're just chasing after candy. Yeah, basically. Yes, it's bonkers for Kids sure. Kids in a candy store. I would be more forgiving for the game, but with that price tag, it's kind of hard to justify that much money, like in the hundreds range, for just an arcade experience, I guess. Right. I mean, no one plays a shmup for the plotline. I mean, maybe there's a few out there where you do, but I feel like, especially with cute ups no one really plays them for the plot. It's like Kirby Squeak Squad. The entire plot of that game yeah. is Kirby 
trying to get his stolen slice of, of strawberry shortcake. It's not even an entire cake, it's just a slice. He fights off hordes of enemies just to get it. And that's like in Cotton. They're, they're, they're going through hell to get some willow candies. And that's it. They're dodging hordes and waves of bullets and giant floating monsters just for some candies. It's great. Don't forget the tea time at the end. That's important. Oh, and, and tea. Yes, yes and, yes. and for tea. Yes. You know, one thing I want to quickly mention about the tea time um, that I noticed the the teacups that are falling on the screen they have two different kinds of kanji on them and they're going way too fast for me to read them but there's actually two sep- two different kinds and one of them if you collect them just incrementally increases your life bar uh, whereas the other kind as you collect them increases your uh, weapon level and so like cotton's shots actually have five separate weapon levels so obviously level one is super weak your shot's really tiny and doesn't do a lot of damage and then you can go all the way up to level five in which case your weapon is super powered up and so uh the tea time at the end i mean so i think if you shoot the cups then you just get points and if you collect them then you will alternate between increasing your life bar a little bit and increasing your weapon uh levels which themselves have tiny little sort of you know bars that fill up and once they fill up then then it goes to the next weapon level so it's interesting the tiny little sort of details and nuances in the game and that that all just sort of add to the massive depth that this game has so as somebody who kind of has approached these games casually i think that maybe other people will be able to relate like you said these games are way too they're out of my price range to to spend on like a cutesy shooter right I've considered it. I've considered Cotton too, but you know, I don't know. It's like 120 to 150 bucks, and that's just you know more than I want to take the plunge for. So you know, burning is an option. And one thing that I kind of thought was when I heard about Cotton Boomerang, the first thing I read was that it was basically like a, a remix of Cotton Two, and so I was thinking, okay, so it came out a year later. And it's a remix, so it must be like the best version, right? Or like the definitive version. So I'll, I'll, I'll just try that one. So I burn that, slap it into my Saturn, I'm playing it, I'm playing it. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a lot of the same, but like for something just feels off, you know? The mechanics are different. It just, um, it's a little bit more frenetic. What Peter said, you know, obviously more in depth, but to, to my eyes, I was just like, yeah, I want to go back to Cotton too. That just had a much more chill vibe. You know, I was actually able to do well there, you know, where I just wasn't I just wasn't clicking with Cotton Boomerang to be honest. And I do like the fact that you can play as Apple, like uh you can play the single player as Apple. With Cotton 2, again, coming at it casually, I really enjoy the fact that my son and I can play together the two player mode and that's a hell of a lot of fun. Although I will say that the character sprites are so huge that it's kind of difficult dodging things at times uh, the way you would like with a regular standard shooter because the hitbox is obviously a lot bigger. I noticed that yeah. like it was just so the characters yeah. are so big so it's like you like you only have like a small section yeah. of the screen to even maneuver and you can't even I attack. guess it's like yeah exactly it's it's kind of a pro and a con you know because like big sprites they're beautiful you know. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of, you know, makes it makes it more difficult when you come at it as a shooter. But yeah, so Cotton Boomerang, I like the fact that you could play as Apple if you wanted to in the single player mode. But that didn't make up for what I saw as just like a higher level of difficulty and just not really 
coming to grips with it the way I did with Cotton 2. So like if I was going to buy one or the other, I'd probably go Cotton 2 because it, it seems to me like the game that I enjoy more. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with you, Dave. I don't know why Cotton Boomerang is more expensive. I'm guessing it's sort of a rarity thing. I do have to say that I completely prefer Cotton 2 over Cotton Boomerang. But there's still some good things in Cotton Boomerang that you should definitely try if you haven't, though. Especially the ability to play as the fairy assistant and then Apley's hat. A talking yeah, you're hat. right. <laughs> yeah. Sorting hat. Is that the sorting hat? I was about hat to make that joke. The sorting hat, yeah. <laughs> Let's face it, it's the sorting Gryffindor. hat. Gryffindor! It's the sorting hat. <laughs> Gryffindor yeah. then shoots a bunch of ice at you. I'm a Ravenclaw, by the way. Ravenclaw's uh, for the win. I thought I'd let you know. Oh, Trainer. Hufflepuff boys, stand up. I'm a Hufflepuff as well, because it just oh, sounds so cool. Hufflepuff, yeah, you know. Gryffindor over here. Are ya? Dude, we're all the good ben, characters. Ben's so brave. <laughs> good thing none of us are Slytherin. Right. Those are the cool guys. So, uh, there's a couple of uh, other things I want to mention real quick about Cotton 2, if I may. Um, no, uh, you can't, Peter. Sorry. Game just over, right? <laughs> If you beat the game, and I don't, I can't remember if you have to beat it on a certain setting or whatever, because it hasn't happened every time I've finished it. So maybe you have to play at a higher difficulty, or maybe you do have to beat the game without continuing. But actually, a whole bunch of extra options open up in the options menu, one of which is a rapid fire. So the X, Y, and Z buttons aren't assigned typically during the game, but once the extra options open up to you, you can assign rapid fire to X, Y, or Z. And that, of course, makes the game you know, loads easier to sort of play through. There's also uh, the ability to play as either Cotton or Apley. Um, you know, obviously in two-player mode, you can one is one and, and the other player is, is the other witch, but you can select uh, to play as either Cotton or Apley. And then last thing I want to uh, mention real quick is um, the game is actually compatible with the four megabyte cartridge. So I think this is the only Saturn game that if you use the 4 megabyte cartridge, which is optional, it doesn't actually do anything to improve the graphics. So the graphics stay exactly the same, but it actually adds some additional uh, sound bites, like voice clips. Uh, so Cotton will uh, talk a little bit as she's playing or, at the, you know, you press the start button to get the game going or whatever, and she'll say a quick little thing. So it's such an odd little thing to add. It's an odd little extra to throw in, but it is compatible with the four megabyte cartridge. So it's just a couple of neat little sort of tidbits about the game that, uh, you know, many people aren't aware of. So if you want the game to be less annoying, take out your RAM card. <laughs> so she doesn't go, eat the Rip pseudo Saturn users. <laughs> Just tear it out when it's nice. playing. They don't need they don't need pseudo Saturn once it's playing. So, oh, there you go. Just just hot yank it out of there. Yeah, just chuck it. No, actually, no. You hot <laughs> yank it, chuck it across the room. Do you throw it at the T? Yeah, that's how you get it. <laughs> that gets the extra the, the extra points, right? When have have we talked about the fact that there is an arcade mode and a Saturn mode? Have we covered that yet? Uh, no, we haven't actually. I saw that there were like. It said it was in arcade mode. I didn't know how to change it. My god. Okay, you don't want to play in Saturn mode. It is... Doesn't it reskin the levels? I think so. There was some changes with the, some of the bosses that I could recognize for sure. But in Saturn mode, it was severely more difficult. Really? Yeah, so Saturn mode reskins all the levels. It rearranges all the enemies. And I'm not sure if the difficulty is... Like, if it takes more hits to take out the same enemies in... Uh, 
arcade as it does in Saturn or whatever, but there's definitely different patterns of enemy waves coming at you. And the way they've reskinned it is sort of neat. So for example, one of the levels is an underground lava level. Well, in the reskinned Saturn mode, that becomes an underground like ice river. And so, you know, they've they've really sort of done a really cool job that every level looks different. So another example, the very first level, you play it and it is just like a regular sort of introductory. There's a lot of hills and it's green and whatever. When you play the arranged mode or the Saturn mode, it's winter time. And so everything is white and, you know, there's there's wintry graphics and whatever. So so it's super cool. You know, the the waves of enemies are definitely different. Um, I almost think, I mean, you, you, Ben, you mentioned that it's harder, but I almost think it's been arranged to make it easier to pull off amazingly massive combos because I tend to always hit a higher score when I'm playing Saturn mode. And so the enemies, the waves, the way that they come, it's almost as if it was intended for you to take advantage of them and, and ultimately score much higher. I mean, that's been my experience anyway. So to me, I mean, for a single disc shooter, this game has given me so much enjoyment and so many cool little surprises that, you know, it's just it's just been so much fun. You know, that's a good way to look at it. Well, Ben, also with the Saturn mode, I did notice that you can actually map rapid fire and special moves to a single button. You can't do that in the regular arcade mode. So even though it might be seem a little harder, you have those going for you, you know, be, just being able to map your special moves to a, to a single button. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I actually, I actually didn't know that you could actually bind that because I know in Cotton Boomerang, you actually have those mapped to buttons of special moves. But I didn't know that was the case in the Saturn version. Yeah, just in Saturn mode. And then also the rapid fire you can map to a single button as well. So you can have both rapid fire and special moves just with the tap of one of those six pads. It's not as satisfying <laughs> to do, do though, as doing the quarter circles on an arcade stick and hitting the button. True. Nothing Using like a that. clicky, really clicky arcade stick. The good yeah. snap. That's actually how I played it, was using the virtual stick. So that was that was a lot of fun. I did some replacement. I need to fix the buttons though; they're pretty bad on that. I'm sure that's kind of like what they intended, anyway. You know, since it came out on the STV, you know, they were really thinking in terms of an arcade stick for those moves. You know, so they come over to the the gamepad the same way fighting games would come over to the gamepad. Makes sense. I've never I've never played another shooter uh, another shooting game that had like a quarter circle move, but not that I can think of. See that's yeah, so weird because I don't I don't often play shooters and to me that just seemed like oh okay just another move so if you're telling me that no other shooter has this sort of a move then it's like okay wow I totally took that for granted I'm sure there has to be at least like a couple others that use it but no I I certainly haven't played one that has one so and if if there has secretly been one I'd like to know about it There's a beat 'em up on a uh, on the Neo Geo Co Top Hunters and that actually has quarter circle combos as well. And you actually, I think you can do sure you can's with that. I know one of them. I think you can do a King of Fighters move, and another one is a legit sure you can. Oh, nice. Interesting. Yeah, I actually have Top Hunter for the Neo Geo CD. Yeah, so try doing that. Uh, my friend, uh, my friend shouts out Chris. He uh, is a big Neo Geo guy and taught me that. We were playing it in his uh, Neo Geo, and he's like, "Oh, you want to see something cool? You want to see uh, them do a sure you can?" So he just showed me that. So that was that was pretty cool. So besides those two, that's really the only games I know that do that. I'll nice. have to check that out. It 
for those of you that pick up an original uh, Japanese copy, if you open it up, not only does it come with、um, a spine card and then a regular manual, but it also comes with、um, a 1998 calendar. The game released at the end of 1997 on the Saturn. And so this, this little calendar, it's actually just、uh, six square、uh, shaped、uh, hard cards. And each side of these six cards has a month and a little calendar. And you've got little graphics of cotton and the sorting hat and whatever. And so, in order to get a complete copy, not only do you have to have the disc manual and the, the Obi strip, the spine card, but you also have to have all six pages of the 1998 cotton calendar. So, just for those of you that are completionist collectors and channeling K a little bit here, but you have to make sure that you have to pick up, you have to have the,、uh, the six page calendar as well. And if you'd like to reuse that calendar, you may reuse it in the year 2026. So if you're listening to this podcast in the year 2026, go pick up that calendar and you can actually use it now. So nice. But you said it's only six months, right? No, no, no. It's six hard cards, but they're double sided. So there's two months per card. So it's 12 months. Okay, so cool. So you can use it for the full year. So、uh, those in 2026 that are listening to this,、uh, go pick up that game and use the calendar. Because you may use it for this year. Or go buy a 2026 calendar like a normal person. Or just go have tea. It's 150, so it's not too、oh. bad. Oh, okay. That's, that's not, that's But not in, in 2026. 2026, with inflation and everything. <laughs> inflation. Probably $300. Listen, listen, cost of of tea. <laughs> listen you could, you tea could, embargo. You could waste your money and like, print out a calendar that's similar to that for what? Maybe $25, maybe less than that. Or. Or you can go big boy and get a, a, a now $600 calendar and use that on your wall. I mean, that'll be pretty cool. I mean, it's going to tank your value of your collector thing, but you know. Probably buy it from some bootlegger on Etsy. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like I said, you guys in 2026, go ahead, put that on your wall and enjoy your $600 calendar. <laughs> It's considered a classic shoot 'em up series, well respected by fans of the genre. It remains one of the most obscure franchises in the already obscure shmup fan base. So, yeah, I kind of agree with that. It's sort of a little bit not well known, right? It's sort of, I guess, one of those in the know sort of shoot 'em ups compared to something like Gradius or, or, some, or Darius or something of that nature. So, for a series that's seen releases on the Genesis, on the Saturn, on the Dreamcast, that has, it has, none of that has ever come out in the West. So, they've, they've been stuck in Japan, these titles. So, you know, it's no wonder that they're obscure.、Um, usually, when people think of hardcore shmups, they don't think of, you know, little girls and broomsticks and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's maybe not surprising that it's so. Uh, obscure, but you know, for an obscure series, it sure's got a lot of、uh, releases, including two on the Saturn. So, there we really? are. Really? Yeah. It's well respected, but it deserves a lot more than what, it, what it's getting, I guess. I mean, yeah, there really has been an official release since, what, 2003, right? It's, yes, 2003 was the last official release I could find. And if anyone else has found other releases since then, please、That's、let me、it. know. But, like, even games like Darius and Raiden have had new games come out after the year 2010. Cotton laid dormant for、uh, about 17 years. You know, we have the Cotton reboot that's finally coming out. And then it looks like there's even a, a, just a straight up a new Cotton game that they're going to come out with next year. I didn't read up a ton on that, but you guys had been mentioning that. Yeah, actually, Dave brought it to my attention. Did, was it just some sort of、uh, website, a, a generic announcement saying we're doing it? 
Yeah, that's basically what it was. It was a conf. It was like a Japanese game development conference, and it was on their announcement board that it was being worked on, and that it would be either released or like the trailer would be released in 2021. So that's kind About of exciting. Time. Yeah, I know, right? But I would argue, I would argue that Cotton is at least the best Kiki up. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> yes. having having played having played Magical Chase and. And having played Gunbird 2 and everything, I, I still think that it's the best. Cotton 2 is the best one I've played. If you count Shikigami Noshiro 2 as a Kikimup, there's way more than just the Broomstick right. Girl for playable characters there. Cotton 2 is definitely the best. No love for Magical Chase? I see how it is. Ah, sorry, no, Magical dude. Chase is great, and it's also very expensive. But it's not a Cotton 2. You can't afford a, th- a $1,500 game, Dave. Come on. I can certainly download it and enjoy it, <laughs> but I still would take Cotton 2 over it. Fair enough, fair enough. One of the things that was brought to our attention was this Saturn group. So the Saturn groups, there was a discussion, it was Usenet, right? Yeah, so um, Usenet was essentially a social networking tool that was popular in the 90s. Uh, it was essentially done through email chains as far as I understand. So Google bought it. And just kind of going back and looking at it, um, if you go through the Rec Games video Sega, you'll find a. If you search any game in that group, you're going to find a lot of info about about the game itself and people talking about playing it uh, in posts that were made. Cotton too. There what there weren't a lot of people talking about. Going back on these Usenet posts, you, you you'll find that imports were really popular in America and starting in about 96, 97. Stores were straight up selling Japanese games alongside region breaker cartridges like on the shelves on American soil. Like it became a pretty common place, at least according to these Usenet posts and the stores that would post with their list of games they're selling. A lot of them would be Japanese imports. So so it came out in Japan on December 4th and there was actually an American store selling it by December you know, it's kind of interesting. I actually remember some of those little mom-and-pop stores that did these imports. Right, yep. It was pretty commonplace in the late 90s. Like they, It, it was more common than people would think now. There's some other posts on Usenet, just people talking about, you know, oh, what shoot 'em up should I get? Or what are some of the good import shooters? And Cotton 2 gets brought up in those. They were the cool kids, so... Do you know what, though? I mean, I have to say that three of my most expensive imports I picked up back in the day thanks to these sorts of groups and, and threads and whatever on the internet. And those were Cotton 2, of course, as well as Radiant Silver Gun and Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So these three Saturn titles, which now are, of course, tons and tons of money apiece, I ended up picking up on the cheap simply because people were talking about it back in the late 90s. And that's when I figured, oh, you know. I may as well see if I can pick them up on import, and they weren't all that expensive just yet, so I'm really sort of thankful for those sorts of groups and the fact that people were starting to jump in on the uh, import bandwagon. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I really wish I was sort of old enough to get into that scene back in the day. I mean, I think when that was dropping, I was like eight or seven, maybe. I'm sorry, guys. I I let you down. I should have been on that Usenet buying these import games. (laughs) Well, see, by the time that that cotton calendar is valid, like, myself dave we might be dead already but at least you guys will be there to carry on the legacy so good job i hope you don't die in 2026 yeah actually uh eb in the mall that well i was a freshman in high school in 97 but uh the eb uh games electronic boutique in my mall did that whole you know 
region breaker cart right next to import games. I remember I kind of got into that with Shenmue 2 on the Dreamcast. So I was a little late uh, a late to that party as far as the Saturn is concerned and had I had I done so, you know, I might have I might not be just like the die-hard US longbox fan that I am, you know, because I might have gotten gotten into imports a long time ago and be more nostalgic about them, but uh I mean, it's no joke. Saturn's got just heaps and heaps of excellent import games and a lot of the shooters are unfortunately we just didn't we just didn't get a whole lot in the u.s but uh but yeah cotton 2 is one of the good ones really yeah i mean and that that's saying something because there are so many good shooters on the saturn but i would definitely put it in the top 10 and i mean like there are easily maybe 30 good shooters or more on the saturn you know so but i would definitely put cotton 2 somewhere in the top 10 absolutely uh, correct yeah, me absolutely. if i'm wrong maybe even i don't know top five but, but it's it's up there definitely because it offers like peter said it offers something unique enough something different enough you know like radiant silver gun might be in that conversation too even though some people kind of hate it they don't like the fact that you have all your weapons at once it's so anti-shmup it, it, um, it, you know, whereas like Battle Garaga is like your traditional shmup, and it, it's like shmup to to eleven. You know, it's just everything turned up to the max. But Cotton too, as I'm finding out, especially by listening to Peter talk about it, it really does strike a chord uh, and a similarity with like Knights into Dreams, like that kind of, you know, yes, you can right. just kind of dip your toe in and play it casually, but there's so much more going on there. And it really gets addictive, you know. And if you really chain those combos and stuff, then you're playing a whole different game, basically. So I think in that term, you really could say that it is one of the better shmups on the Saturn, considering it offers something so unique. What makes it great is it's it's a bridge between people who play a lot of shmups and people who don't. The fact that Peter plays it and enjoys it so much that he friggin' one credit cleared. And like Ben mentioned, with how they're how there's no wrong way to play it. Like, you can play it like a regular shmup. You can dodge the bullets and focus on just mowing down the waves of enemies with your with your attacks and your bomb. Or you can go the, you know, the chain route, grab stuff. There's no wrong way to play it, and you're going to have success either way. It is it is really a nice bridge between those two audiences. So, if you hate shmups, don't, don't, be, uh, don't be afraid of Cotton 2. Uh, the 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 witches and the sorting hat they don't bite it's tea time witches speaking of the 1cc did you want to talk about the challenge that we had so basically we just want to see who could get the highest score in it and i'm going to be honest i'm pretty sure peter beat us horrendously what did you end up getting peter so uh, the last couple times that I won CC'd this game, my score was in the tens of millions. And I don't recall exactly whether it was 12 million or 15 million or what it was. But you know what I'm thinking of doing is in having this this discussion with all of us on the cast today, I've realized, and, and you said it so well, Nick, that there's so many ways to play this game. And Ben, you touched on it too. Maybe what I ought to do is just record some gameplay footage and uh, put it up uh, on our on our Shiro site, just showing all the different ways that you can pick up scores and you know how your score can just 
just multiply and grow and, and whatever because I think that might be a really fun thing for people to to watch and you know potentially enjoying this game completely differently than than they thought they could so that's something that I'm going to work on and uh, hopefully drop it shortly uh, after we drop the cast do it with right voiceover on. just like you did the Knights thing so it's like yes, an instructional yeah. That'd for sure. What, what was your you put on the on the blog um, some of those Shiro challenges? One of the one of the challenges mm. was the one CC, but you also mentioned sealing a mid level boss, tossing them yeah. when sealed. I had mentioned earlier that your weapon levels go up from level one all the way up to level five, and that just makes you overall much much stronger. So as you are sealing regular enemies and throwing them and, and getting chains and whatever, as your chain gets like up there, and I'm talking you know a chain of fifty or more. When you hit those mid-level bosses, like, for example, those pumpkin guys or whatever the case may be, there's these lion-type guys, you can actually toss your sealed enemy and it will enclose the mid-boss. And that has such an interesting effect because what happens then is you grab that sealed mid-level boss and it's a huge giant sprite all of a sudden encased in a massive, you know, either ball of ice or, or ring of fire or whatever... And then instead of hucking it at further enemies, you just sort of uh, fly along carrying it. And anything that touches that big giant sealed uh, mid-level boss ends up becoming a minor sealed uh, enemy. And so instead of having just one that you're carrying, suddenly the screen is filled with dozens of them as enemies come up. And then each time a bubble pops, those colored little bonus point balls that appear like there's just tons of them and so you pick them up and your score just jumps astronomically and so you know as i'm sort of talking through this i realize obviously i'm going to include this in my my playthrough video but it's yet another way to sort of play the game and rack up amazingly high scores so success really did an awesome job with this game i think that maybe hits maybe close to the million mark maybe <laughs> peter kind of like as i saw that score I was like oh yeah i'm definitely not going to beat him but I think the last one I saw was like a couple, like shy of like a million, I believe. Yeah, I was lucky to even hit like seven hundred thousand. <laughs> I was, it was yeah, it was between six and seven hundred. Oh, same. Yeah, I was. I'm looking at my gameplay right now, and I noticed that every time you continue, your scores goes to zero. Like your score always ends in a zero, but if you happen to continue, it'll add a one point, and so your scores will always end in one. If you continue again, it'll add another point, and your scores will always end in two. And so if you look at somebody's final score, you can very quickly tell how many times they've continued, if any. So if their score ends in zero, you know they've never continued. If it ends in, like, say, five, then you know they've continued five times. So it's another neat sort of way that success sort of built that. I just find the game to be very smart, very clever. That's a really smart way to do the scoring with the continues. I like that. Mm -hmm. I also noticed, Peter, uh, one of the challenges you gave was try and catch 40 cups during tea time. You think that's possible? I've done it. I'm I'm lucky if I get, like, 20. It's hard. It, it is. But, you know, like, in some levels, there's nothing beneath cotton, so the cups are just falling. And in other levels, there is ground, and so they can bounce off. And so if you kind of position yourself in a in a groove where, you know, lots of things are going to uh, bounce off and, and collect in, you can really pick up a lot of them. And so, you know, there's even for tea time, there's there's different strategies. So just going back to to what Nick was saying, this very much is a bridge for those that sort of don't often maybe play uh, shooters that you can get into a shooter that doesn't really often act like a shooter. And so you can get a lot of really good gameplay out of it. I was going to say one more little thing, tidbit. 
success, they added in kind of like a Newtonian physics engine into this game. So, like, when those tiles are bouncing and stuff, they're not just, like, on a set path. Like, it's random Mm. based on some kind of, like, physics engine. Yeah, so there's a a lot of things in this game that, that follow the path of, like, a physics engine. Primitive physics engine, but still, you know, it was, like, it was an upgrade to, like, the previous Cotton games. You know, I noticed that same thing where, like, there's actual physics to everything. Everything had, like, a weight to it. Mm -hmm. It was really weird, and it it felt like, you know, there was actual physics in it. So, thanks for bringing that up, Dave. So, if I look at some of the challenges that I wrote in my article, and my article at this point is a couple years old, but one of them was obviously try to get a chain of 100. Um, And it's it's really cute. The game, every time you hit a multiple of 10, it gives you a a quick little message in the upper left-hand side of the screen. So, it starts with like, wow, and then it goes to super. And then by the time you hit over 100, it's going crazy. So, it's really neat. So, try to get a chain of 100. That's sort of a... Uh, a fun thing to do and then also try to get a hundred hits when you're trying to build up the um the life icon inside of a single enemy because that can really like you know that can refill up to half of your life bar so if you're running low on on your life bar and you need to refill it that's one cool way to do it and if you sort of position your sealed enemy sort of in a corner of the map so it's stuck there you can kind of come up right close to it and just just shoot away and so you can very quickly get up to 50 60 80 100 hits and then after that you let it pop and you pick up a huge giant you know life bar uh, icon so get 100 combos and try to get 100 hits on a sealed enemy i think those would be two super uh, super good challenges to start with I have a challenge. Did anybody else besides me play two-player? Oh, I no, I didn't. I was going to say I don't. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So I challenge people listening to find a friend and play two-player with this game because it is difficult, like I said, weaving in and out of the enemy waves, seeing as your sprites are so huge. And But, but that said, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. and it, I actually thought it was more fun playing with another player than, than just you know going solo. And if you don't have an extra friend, you could play with your feet. This is true. You could you do the two, two-handed two technique. Or you can get the arcade stick on the floor and use a regular Saturn pad with your hands. True. Or you could tie like you could tie like a broomstick from one arcade stick to another so that like everything you do over here is like mirrored over there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Before we head out, I wanted to announce that our good friend Cameron has joined our team. He is going to be managing our Facebook group and our Facebook page. So he already made an introduction post on the Facebook group. If you want to go around and see him with his cool glasses and his uh, his cool 80s-esque uh, hipster pose with his Saturn, go ahead and give it a like because I think it's probably one of the funniest photos I've seen of him. And he's got some really funny photos. And he's also a fellow Canadian, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super excited to slowly build up the uh, Canadian contingent of Sega Saturn Shiro. You know, it started with me. Now we're up to two. Before you know it, we're going to be flying the Canadian flag. Mix up in Fargo. That's close enough, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's getting warm. I mean, it's getting cold. I think that's it, guys. So I guess from us, we want to thank you for participating in the poll. We appreciate picking Cotton 2 because we all love it here. So so thank you for picking it. 
Write us letters. We love when you comment on our gameplays while we're playing or even afterwards. This We love the interaction. We really enjoy it. All right, thank you guys for listening. And remember, you must play Sega Saturn. Or I'll get on my broom and chase you. And collect willow candy. And a sorting hat. <laughs>